Hello there. You are listening to the MCC Sunday Sermon. We are so glad you could join us. We pray that this message will encourage you, build your faith on your journey with God. Enjoy. If this is your first week at MCC, then you may not be aware we're actually right in the middle of a new series we've just started called This Is Our Home. And so I want to encourage you, if you missed last week, I'm not recapping it. So if you missed last week, I would encourage you to get on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from, find the MCC Sermon Audio Podcast, and you can hear last week's message. But we started last week a series called This Is Our Home. That this is our church. This is the place that we call home. That the house of God ought to be a home for people. You know, the truth is the Bible talks about the fact that the church is the bride of Christ. That to me is rather interesting, that of all the relationships God could provide as an example of of his affections for the church, God chooses the marriage relationship. And so God relates to the church as, as his bride. One of the things you've got to understand is that Jesus loves the church, that Jesus is coming back for his church. That the church is not perfect because it's filled with people like you and I, right? The church is not perfect because it's filled with imperfect people. But the church is God's idea. And He does love the church. He he does establish the church. He does sustain the church. And the value of His church is not diminished by scandal or by trouble or by public opinion. And so if you and I profess to, to love God, then we ought to love what God loves. And one of the things you've got to understand is that God loves His church. And that if you're a part of MCC, then we love local churches. We speak well of church because God loves the church. And so last week we talked about the fact that the house of God must be a home for people. We talked about the fact that this is our home. It's a place to belong. Well, this week we're going to talk about this is our home, a place to own. Last week about belonging, this week about ownership. You know, the truth is when people feel strongly that they belong in a local church, then something beautiful begins to happen. That when you deep down feel like this is the place where I belong, that this is my home, that this is the place where I'm planted, that then something beautiful begins to happen in your heart and mind, a shift begins to happen. That these people begin to mature from membership to ownership, from fellowship to stewardship, from helping to serving. That you begin to move from a mentality of, I belong to MCC, that's the church I go to, to MCC belongs to me. When the church becomes your home, then you'll build it because it's your home. And you'll defend it because it's your home. And you'll fight for it because it's, it's your home. Why? Well, if this is our home, then it is a place for us not just to belong, but, but it's also a place for us to own. But one of the things that I'm absolutely convinced of, and I want you to hear my heart in this. I said this last week that, that this whole series is not about us catching a vision or a mission or a strategy. It's not about that. It's actually about us catching the heart of God, the, the burden of God for this church in this place at this time. That if we're going to build a strong, strong church, is not, about, it's not about building an impressive house. It's about building a loving home. That a strong church is not measured by its seating capacity. A strong church is measured by its serving and its sending capacity. And so this morning, I want to share three mindset shifts that happen when you begin to see this is my home. 
a place to own. Here's the first one. When you've made the decision, this is my home, this is the place where God has put me, this is my local church, this is not just somewhere I go on the weekends and I kind of like the worship a bit more than the last place I went. When you've decided this is going to be my home, this is where God has placed me and planted me, then this is the first mindset shift that begins to happen. You move from membership to ownership. Membership's not a bad thing, but but it means more than just warming the pews. A membership is, is kind of passive, but ownership requires participation. Membership is not a bad thing, but, but the problem with membership is that it tends to lend itself towards politics. That, that politics is about gathering a group of constituents and then representing them and, and lobbying for their representation and, and for their rights. Lobby. And so membership isn't a bad thing, but membership generally lends itself towards the idea of constituents and lobby. And, Membership is like on the base level, but ownership is a far higher thing. Ownership is a completely different mindset. An owner is not lobbying for others to fix things. An owner is taking responsibility and fixing things, fixing things themselves. An owner thinks if it is to be, then it's up to me. I'm taking responsibility. That ownership requires a level of responsibility and action that membership doesn't imply. In Numbers chapter 13, Moses sends out 12 spies into the promised land. And they go and they spy out the land and they come back with a report. And 10 of those spies come back with a negative report. They say, yeah, the land's amazing, but it's full of giants and we look like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we could never do this. God's brought us all the way out here only to, to, to abandon us at this point. And, and so they come back with a negative report and those 10 spies spread a negative report amongst 3 million people like that. And so Numbers chapter 13 is the 10 spies coming back, sharing their their negative report. Listen to the very next thing that happens in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 1. That night, after the negative report, that night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. To me, this is one of the most crazy moments in Israel's story that there comes this moment where we're right at the very, very edge of going into the promised land. That They decide, you know what? This is too difficult. This is too hard. Let's go back to the simple life. Let's choose slavery over freedom. It's crazy to think that Israel would be longing to going back to Egypt and baking bricks because they'd been slaves for 400 years in Egypt. Like like Egypt had no future for them. Egypt was where they were slaves. It was in Egypt that their children were being murdered. Remember, Moses had to be put into a woven basket. Why? Because they were killing children. There was nothing appealing about Egypt. And yet here, right at this moment of being able to take possession and responsibility for the promised land, Israel freaks out and says, you know what? We should go back to Egypt. I know it was slavery. I know they were like whipping us and they were like murdering our children and stuff. But, but you know, like maybe, maybe, maybe it was better. Maybe it was a simpler life. The truth was in Egypt, it was a simpler life for them because they didn't have to think for themselves. They were slaves. They didn't have to plan. They didn't have to be responsible for their future. They didn't have to fight or protect what was important. 
But, but taking possession of the promised land would require them to stop thinking like slaves and start thinking like free men. And that terrified them. They'd been slaves for 400 years. They'd never owned anything. But, but now they're being asked to take possession and they're not quite sure if they're ready for that. And now the thought of having to fight to take possession, responsibility and ownership, that was frightening to them. Can you see how ownership is a different mindset to membership? So what does God do? It's kind of interesting what God does, and you could read all of it in Numbers chapter 14, that God actually requires as a result a whole generation of people to die in the wilderness before he takes them into the promised land. That a journey that should have taken them 12 days from Egypt to the promised land ends up becoming a 40-year trek. Why? Because they were out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't yet out of them. It wasn't that they were lazy. They'd been slaves. These were not lazy people. They just never had to think like owners before. That everything they had in Egypt had been given to them. And so they did what they were told. But taking possession would require them to start thinking like owners. The other thing that God does is he actually sends a plague to kill the 10 spies who spread the bad report amongst the people. It's kind of interesting how God responds to this whole episode. But but notice in verse 24 what God says about Caleb. He, He says something of Joshua and Caleb, but this is what he says about Caleb, verse 24. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I'll bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. That there was something different about Caleb. What was it? Well, God says he's got a different spirit. He's got a different mindset. He wants to take responsibility and ownership for this is God's promised land to us. And yeah, it'll be difficult. And yeah, yeah, it'll be totally different than what we've been a part of. But, but actually, this is God's promise to us. And so we want to lay a hold of it. It's Caleb who, who much later in life says, give us this hill. That he never kind of lost that spirit on the inside. That there was a desire inside of him that if God has made me responsible, then Lord, let me be an owner of all of your promise. Let let, let no stone be unturned. And so God knows that possession is not for the faint-hearted. And so he says for a whole generation, do you know what? This is going to be a difficult task for you. You can stay in the desert. It'll fall to another generation to come and take possession of what I'd always promised. Because ownership requires action. And so if this is our home, it's not about building a membership. It's about inspiring and empowering ownership. If this is my church, then this is where I'm planted. This is my home. This is what I'm taking responsibility for. That's ownership. Here's the second mindset shift. From membership to ownership. Here's the second one. From fellowship to stewardship. Fellowship is generally about attendance. This is where I fellowship on Sundays. But stewardship is about responsibility. There's a difference. It's not that I attend a church. It's that God has made me responsible in his church. Right? Fellowship versus stewardship. Um, Fellowship is good. Fellowship is better than no fellowship. But stewardship is better than fellowship. Think about this for a minute. Your level of fellowship is a reflection on what you think about others. Right? If there's little fellowship, it's because I don't really know if I really like these people. But if I really like them, there's fellowship. And so fellowship is a reflection of what you think about others. But your level of stewardship is a reflection on what you think about God. 
Because if God is calling us to steward, then that includes the relationships he brings into our life. If MCC, if this place is where God has put us, then how we steward that responsibility says a great deal about what we think about God and his plan. So stewardship requires commitment and dedication and responsibility. It's different to fellowship. At the very, very low end of stewardship, you're looking after a facility. You can kind of pick people who've got a stewardship heart, right? Because they don't walk past rubbish. They, don't, they empty the bin when they see that it's full, right? They join a team to weed the gardens or clean the windows, right? They, they participate in a working bee to mulch the gardens. At the very, very low end of stewardship, you're looking after a, a facility, and that's still important because how you treat God's house is a great deal about how you treat God. When I respect what's yours, I show respect to you, right? And so if I borrow something for you, if I give it back to you in a poor state, it's actually disrespecting you, right? But, but if I give it back to you in a better state than you gave it to me, that shows great respect to you. So how I treat your things shows the level of respect I have for you. If you've been through um, Europe and the churches of Europe, that, that when you first see them, particularly right as someone who grew up in Australia and first time going to Europe, the first time you see some of the churches of Europe, they're, they're gobsmacking. I'll never forget seeing for the first time and walking through St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. It's just an incredible building, right? And those buildings were built with a desire to inspire people. That as people walk through these buildings, that they would say, man, if this is what God's house is like, then what must God himself be like? And so being a steward is good because how we treat things shows respect, but also it's important because this is an entrustment from God. And it says a great deal about what we think about him. And so it's important if this is God's church, then we ought to be good stewards of what God has entrusted to us. We ought to be grateful and thankful for what God has given to us. Let me take this a step further. Haggai chapter 1 and verse 8 and 9. This is kind of an interesting thing that God says. He says it to the people of, of Judah. He says, Now go up to the hills and bring down timber and rebuild my house. Then I'll take pleasure in it and be honoured, says the Lord. You hoped for rich harvests, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's armies, while all of you are busy building your own fine houses. That's a rather sobering thing for God to say, right? That God essentially says, how can you work hard to build your own house, but leave my house in ruins? How can you be deliberate about the cleanliness of your own house, but leave my house untidy? How can you work hard to pay off your mortgage, but leave my house in debt? And so God cares about stewardship. It's important because stewardship actually shows what we think about God, right? Fellowship shows what we think about others. On the low end of stewardship, you're looking after a facility. On the high end of stewardship, you're looking after people. If this is my house, then I'm going to make sure that everyone feels invited, included, and involved. That no one's left behind and no one's left on their own. I'm going to talk to people I don't know before I talk to people that I do know. Why? Because this is my house. And imagine how rude it would be if someone rocked up to your house and you kind of acknowledged them at the door, but then never said anything to them for the rest of the time they were there. Right? 
if this is my home, then I want to be able to welcome you in. And do you need a drink? And, and can I get some chips out? And what about for your kids? What would they like? Right? Because this is my home. And so I want to take responsibility. At the low end of stewardship, you're looking after a facility. At the high end of stewardship, you're looking after people. Because every guest ought to be seen as a gift from God and a relationship that God is asking us to steward with value. That every person that walks into this building and into our lives any day of the week has a story. And those stories matter to God. And if God is sovereign, then those people walking into your life or into your workplace or into your university course, that's not by accident. That's actually by the intention of God. That these are people that God is sending to us, so we'd better pay attention to them as they arrive. How you receive a gift says a great deal to the giver. Personal story here, but when, when Elise and I were um, newly married, Elisa decided she would do something special for me and go and buy a shirt. Problem is we had different styles, really. And it was early in our marriage, and so I hadn't been trained well yet. Wow. <laughs> and so I learned this lesson. I learned it very quickly because Elise had brought me this gift and, and she'd brought it home and she'd wrapped it up and whatever. She said, oh, I've got something special for you. And and so I was like, oh, this is unexpected and kind of excited. And, and, and as I unwrapped it, I looked at it and I was like, oh, never, I would never buy that shirt. The problem is my face kind of said the same thing. I hadn't said anything. I hadn't done anything wrong by this stage. But, but it was a rookie error. That's correct. That's right. Because written on my face was, oh, that's, thanks. And so immediately, Elise, being quite intuitive, was like, you don't like it. I'm like, no, no, no. No, I, I, I do, but do you, do you have the receipt for it? And, mm, that's, not, that's not a clapping moment, Cooper. How you receive a gift, isn't it true, says a great deal, right, to the giver. What about if every person who came into your life you saw as a gift given to you by God? That this wasn't accidental, this was intentional. That God in his sovereignty brought these relationships into your life as an opportunity for you to be able to steward them and to bring value to them. That, that how you treated people then, that God brought into your life, would actually say not something about them, it would say something about the God who brought them into your life. Right? Um, one, of the, one of the stories I um, love from last weekend Sorry, I'm about to embarrass them. I haven't told them I'm about to do this. But I met a couple um, last weekend who are actually here again um, today. It's awesome to come once, but to come, anyone can come to church once, but to come to church twice, right? Anyway, I, I'd met them after service. It was their first time here. They come along because their grandson is coming along to um, church. And so that's how they ended up here. And, and as they're walking through the forest, I said, have you met anybody? Is your first Sunday like a, a bit? And they pulled out a little business card. Because John and Kay McKee have made their homemade business cards. Printed out, cut out, so that when they would meet people on Sunday, they could say hello and then hand a business card, right? Well, they, they said, actually, we met a couple. They live straight across the street from us. We, we didn't realize until we came along to church this morning. I'm looking at them right now. They're like, this is our story. That's right. About to embarrass you. I, I won't mention names because I don't want to embarrass Ron and Jenny. Um, <laughs> But 
we didn't realise we actually lived straight across the street from each other. And, and so we're going home now because we're going to go and have lunch at their place because um, literally it's just straight across the road. What we didn't realise, we met at church this morning. And so, and they produced this little card, phone number, email address, um, physical address, printed out on paper, cut to size, handed out. I love that, yeah. right? Because John and Kay McKee are a great example of what stewardship looks like, yeah. right? They're a great example of that. Um, not just because of the things that they do around the place, though they do do that as well. All of the tablecloths that you see, all the black tablecloths have all been made by Kay, right? But, but also they're taking responsibility for the people they meet on Sunday. There's something very, very special about that. What? Because how you treat a gift says a great deal to the giver. If relationships are the gifts that God are bringing into our life, then we ought to see every guest, every person that comes into our life as a gift from God. And so when this is your home, not just a place you go on weekends or, or, or out of habit or ritual, but, but if this is my home, this is the place where God's planted me, then, then there comes a shift from, from membership to ownership. I'm taking responsibility. From fellowship to stewardship. Here's the final mindset shift that takes place. From helping to serving. There's a huge difference between helping and serving. If you don't believe me, just ask any person who's recently moved house. These people are giggling because they've just moved house the last two days. But just ask anyone who's moved house. There's a big difference between helping and serving. Just think about the last time you moved house. When people are coming to help you move house, they ask questions like, so how much stuff are we moving? Um, what's in it for me? Will you be providing lunch? Um, I can only give two hours. I've got to go at 1 p.m. At five minutes to one, they just disappear. It's like vanish, gone. The rapture takes place. Contrast that with people who aren't coming to help you, but people are coming to serve you, right? Think about when your family helps you move house. What do you need me to bring? I've got a fridge trolley and a trailer, right? Um, they bring extra tie-down straps, not because they've been asked, just in case. We need extra tie-down straps. Um, they get there early and they stay until the last item has been moved because evidently you would want to move all of your items. They even stick around and help you set up the kids' beds so the kids can sleep in their own beds that night. There's a big difference between helping and then serving. The difference is family. Another little um, insight into Elise and, and uh, my marriage um, again, you guys will be better than this, but just as a word of warning for Cooper, who's not yet married, this will be helpful for him. It's not for anyone else. It's, just, it's really just for me and Cooper. There, there are times at home where as a, as a husband who isn't, again, being trained, um, where, where Elise will be doing things around the house. Um, for instance, she might be vacuuming. And then as a good husband, you know, wanting to wanting to show that I love and I care and, and also hoping that I'll score some brownie points as well, will say things like, would you like me to help you with that? Some of you look at me like, I don't see what the problem is with that. And you and I have some things to learn. And, and Elise very patiently will take me aside, sit me down and say, it's actually your house too, Daniel. It's not so much that you're helping me with that. On other occasions, if I do something around the house, like I, I'm, I'm waiting for like praise to come, like if I unstack the dishwasher, like I really want, I want her to notice that 
I've unstacked the dishwasher. And it's not that I need her to say thank you, but it's really nice when she does say thank you. And notice that, that I've done that for the one time that month that I've unstacked the dishwasher, right? Or, or, or if I happen to be um, taking the clothes off the line, then, then I'm kind of, I'm waiting for Elise to be like, wow, thank you. That was such a huge help for you to take the clothes off the line. And, and, and if I even try and like insinuate just to help her out, because she might not have noticed that I've done that, which has been a really big help to her, then, then, um, then, then she will I'll say, well, do, do you know, Si, um, took the clothes off the line today? Before it got dark. Did you see how I did that? I haven't followed them. I've, I've left that. I've left that. But I did, I took them all off. I took them all off. Elise again will just sort of politely, because she's so sweet, will be like, sweetheart, you realise that they're your clothes too. I'm being facetious, but you can see the point, right? That there's a big difference between helping and serving. That, that when you've made the decision that this is my home, then joining a team or becoming involved is not about filling a gap. It's not about um, doing a spot on the roster. It doesn't require high praise every time I bring the washing in. No, no, no. If this is my home, then I've taken ownership and responsibility. This is the place where God has called me to steward. And so in that case, I'm taking responsibility for the place I call home. The place where God has brought me, the, the place where I'm committed and planted, the place where my kids are going to grow and see me serve God as an example. This is not about my hands. It's actually about my heart. And the truth is God doesn't need your hands. But God does want your heart. And when your heart is in a thing, your hands naturally follow. And, and so I want to be generous because God has been so generous to me. If this is our home, if we're going to build a strong church, then we've got to build this as a home. That the house of God ought to be a home for people. And yes, that's about belonging. That's about helping people to belong even before they might believe or become a Christian. That actually the church is so unique because it's the place where strangers become friends and friends become family, that this should be a place of belonging. But if this is a place where God has planted me and called me, that then this is also my responsibility as steward. This is also about ownership. It's a place for me to own. And so we move from membership to ownership, from fellowship to stewardship, from helping to serving. as the worship team comes back and we're about to finish this morning, that this is an opportunity for each of us to say, all right, for me, if this is the place where I'm planted, if this is, if this is my local church, then how can I take ownership? How can I be a faithful steward? How can I move beyond just trying to help out? How can I begin to begin to serve something special takes place in a person's life when you come to that moment saying this is where God placed me this is a part of the plan of God for, for those of you who've been a part of MCC for a little while you'll know that for our culture as a church is based off one statement that Jesus makes in John chapter 10 and verse 10. It outlines the four sort of cultural values of what makes MCC what it is. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But listen to this. But I have come 
that you might have life and life to the full. That in that one sentence, Jesus is outlining four values that kind of relate to how we roll as a church. Proactive, others-focused, life-giving, generous. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. It's actually Jesus sharing His heart, the heart of a good shepherd. Listen to the very next verse. Verse 11 of John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd, Jesus said. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when, the, so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. If we want to build a church that reflects the heart of God, then we've got to follow the example of Jesus as our good shepherd. That the good shepherd takes ownership. These are my sheep. When trouble comes, he steps up. He's committed. He's dependable. He's not going anywhere. But the hired help doesn't take ownership. And when trouble comes, he runs away. Why? Because this is just a job. This was just convenient for a time. He doesn't have any skin in the game. The example. And so if this is our home, then we ought to follow the example of our good shepherd. When trouble strikes, he steps up. That that takes responsibility for the sheep. That that stewards what he's been entrusted with. For you and I, what would that look like in the next 12 months for us? What would God speak to our hearts about stepping up to be able to be involved in? Making sure that the house of God is a home for people. That, That every person who walks into MCC on any day of the week, that we would have eyes to be able to see this is a relationship that God is calling us to steward. That I want to take responsibility that, that I'm pl- this is this is my home. Would you stand to your feet this morning as we pray? Lord, I thank you this morning for every single person who's in this room. And God, greatly loved by you. Lord, I thank you this morning. The Holy Spirit, you would speak to our hearts. That God you would help us to be able to see your plan. That God, this is the place where you've put us. Not just out of convenience, not just because it's around the corner, not just because the kids like the kids program, but God, you've planted us here. This is the place where we're going to grow old together, where our kids are going to grow up and serve the Lord together. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd speak to our heart. God, give us ideas. God, inspire us and encourage us to plant our feet and to become involved, to see ourselves as owners and stewards. God, those who are serving the plan of God. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be able to see people. God, walking in through the front door. God, to be able to see them the way that you do. God, to be able to see every guest as a gift being brought by you and a relationship for us to steward. In Jesus' name. 
Thank you once again for joining us. Feel free to contact us on our Facebook, our website, and jump on our Instagram at mcc.church. Also, make sure to rate and review as well as share. Finally, from all the team at MCC, have a blessed day. And until next time, bless you.